Welcome to the Marketing for Startups podcast. If you're trying to figure out marketing for your startup, then you're in the right place. In this podcast, we go high level, looking at the intersection of branding, data, and leadership to offer you a marketing playbook to grow and scale. Join me each week for in-depth interviews, tactical advice, and practical trainings. Hi, I'm your host, Victoria Hajar, veteran marketer and startup enthusiast. I promise to bring my experience and curiosity to each episode Then together, we'll peel back the onion on this ever-changing discipline that is marketing. I'm so happy you're here. Let's dive in. Hello, and welcome to the Marketing for Startups podcast. I'm Victoria, your host as always, and today we have such a treat. My dear friend, Meg Clark, who is the founder of Clapping Dog Media, SEO expert, just general fabulous person, is on the show today talking all things SEO. We talk about the future of Google Analytics. We talk about, um, is it important to consider SEO for your social media? The most important things that founders should start start thinking about when they're building a new website or they're trying to get real traction with SEO. We talk about the top mistake that people make when they're building their website. Um, And she gives you some super actionable steps on how you can kind of upgrade your website today. So it's a really juicy episode. I hope that you enjoy it as much as I enjoyed um, creating it and making it with Meg. Meg is a, again, like a dear friend. We've been uh, working together and we've known each other for many years. And it's just always a joy for me to see how things like circle back, you know, and how after a good period of time, you just keep seeing those same faces of the people that are still going strong and still growing and learning and um, and reinventing themselves. So enjoy this episode and leave me a DM. Um, tell me what your favorite part was. How are you, friend? Hooray. I'm good. Yeah, I'm glad. Hold on, let me shut my door. So it looks door. a little bit. I want to back there. I want to see my tree. Little baby tree you have back yeah, there. Also, kids present sitting in the corner. So <laughs> you know what, what I love? You know what I love? It's like, I love like seeing faces that like, you know, now we've been connected in some way for years. Yeah. So gorgeous. So gorgeous. And so I'm just like, give me the general, the general update. You and Nick, what's like, what's up? We're doing great. Business is good. You know, we need some new clients for January, but we've had a lot of sales calls. Yeah. I, the, the only thing that's really fun and exciting that we're in the throes of is I'm trying to come up with, you know, our signature service is great, but not super scalable. Yeah. So as it is, is. and I don't want to add more people. I don't want to grow that big. So I'm trying to, I'm working, I'm building a analytics dashboard that includes keyword data, traffic data, Google search console data that's easy to read and understand that I could just, and and then um, that I can give to people, have a dynamic report that goes with it and have office hours. So oh, I love it. I'm hoping to be like, I don't know, $100, $200, get a report every, the first of every month. And then if you have questions, come to my live, live office hours. You know what? It's like, it's so interesting because I was just at a mastermind last week, right? And like, oh, yeah. A lot of the, okay. So there was like one particular case that the woman has like a, she's fabulous. She lives in Greece and she's got like, that's like, she flew in for this mastermind and she, she has a sleep training product, right. To help with. So we were, you know, she has something like a hundred thousand monthly visitors to the site, right. She's getting like 500 leads a week. No, sorry, a month, a month. Okay, that's a lot. Well, it's kind of low compared to 100K, right? Yeah. So we were, so I went to the Google Analytics with her and we were looking at like her blogs, which is like 90% of the traffic had like 80 and 90% 90 bounce rates. Right, so, and it, because they were a mess. She has, so anyway, but I was saying that, or what that makes me, reminded me of is that like, she, I don't think had really spent much time in Google analytics. And it reminded me of how important, and it's like the thing that I feel 
like no one really like you can kind of poke your way around there but what was interesting to look at the bounce rate by page was yes. so eye opening and it's something that i don't think maybe you look in and you just look at the traffic and you look at like the general bounce rate but it's that process of like understanding the right questions to ask that's what right double down to double click into and so i think that having something that because you're so good at like breaking it down. Oh, thank you. Right. You are. And I just think it's like just such a need. So I feel like that would be a perfect model. I'm hoping, I'm hoping to, I'm hoping to get just some recurring data. And of course, those people can lead into signature service, but the, I mean, it's really going to hit the fan when UA is gone and GA4 in July, because GA4 is confusing. Tell me, yeah. Tell me like what that's going to mean. It's uh, well, it's, Currently, the current situation is hell because they are going to take away your universal analytics and you don't even have access to it. So these huge, you can't download it right now. You can't download it. You can't export it. But like you can't like if you're like Macy's, you can't go back and see, well, how is no, how are my November traffic November of 2020? It will be gone. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, because it's only tracking from the moment that you implemented it that's uh-huh. why it's really important to start impl- it to just switch over to set it up now yeah yeah so we could get some legacy data but the other thing that's so annoying about it's not annoying it's just a different way to think is our current ua our old school analytics which is so lovely is about like the number of t- sessions on your site so it like if a person went five times to your site that's like five sessions yeah. Well, G- GA4 really looks at the user. And so traffic in general looks way low yeah. when you compare GA4 to UA, yeah. because instead of tracking sessions as easily, it's all about the user. So a user can come 15 times and yeah. you still only looks at one. One. And they track you from mobile to the phone to your website. Okay. Well, that's helpful. It is really helpful. I think the I think they're all doing this to capitalize on ads because, you know, years ago Facebook used to be a gold mine because Facebook and Google would share location information. Mm-hmm. Well, now if you have a Google app on your phone open, whether it's Chrome or Gmail, that that gives them permission to track. So they're gonna watch where your phone goes. Yes, yes, yes. And see where you go on the internet and their ads are going to be very effective and I'm sure very expensive, but that's where I think that they just switched the whole model of what they measure because they want to get the distinct information about the user, what they're interested in and what their, like what their history is on the um, search traffic, what their internet traffic is, because if you have Chrome, you know what's super interesting? Because I so here in Miami, of course, everyone's like super techie and like future yeah. talk. And I've been a part of a lot of conversations, and everyone were like, the Google Glasses is the next thing. Like, yeah. and it's interesting because I wonder if they're trying to build the infrastructure for the cross-device tracking yeah. in advance of the glasses. Cause this yeah. I, there's so many people talking about the it's the virtual reality, but the glasses will be the augmented reality, right? Uh-huh. And so yep. what that could even look like, like what that could look like for ads is like, oh, you're walking like at the mall and you're out in front of the storefront and you can see like all the promotions like in your Google glasses. Like that's, that could be the future. It's in that, and I think it's like a year or two away. It's very close. Yeah. It's very close. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. So-, so- I'm trying to make this dashboard take the confusing confusion out of GA4 and really capitalize on this switchover. Yeah. That's that's the cool thing that's happening in our business. But you know, running your business and then starting this whole other section in your yeah, business. I know it's it's awesome. It's awesome. Well, it's what is, awesome. What is going to be the mindset of like the business owner that's going to? So now we're just kind of looking at traffic volume. And we're looking at the waterfall to that email, right? Is it, is that going to, is there anything that's going to change about that with, with like tracking the user or being more user focused or what do you think? 
That's a great, I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. I mean, daycare, what's really interesting is also, it's really hard. You have to, you have to make custom reporting to see what social media platform users came from. Like they're suddenly like, oh, they came from, yeah. Yeah. Like if you want to break down Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, you have to set up a special, you have to write a, you have to create a special uh, report. You can't just click on social. That doesn't make sense. So it's like, suddenly they're like, we don't, we, this person came from social and now they're on your site. Who cares? But it's, it's it's really challenging. Yeah. I don't know. Wow. And that's so soon. That's that's July. It's July. It's July. And they say that we'll have our legacy data for six months, but currently there is no way to keep it. Like, even if you just say, okay, if the buck stops on June 30th, it will leave. Yeah. It will vaporize. You can't keep it. Well, and I think that that's an, also an interesting argument for just having like alternative data sources in general. I agree. Because you could have our reports because our, I mean, our reports are in Google Sheets. So if we take the data from UA and put it in our Google Sheet, and so that it, it is an argument that you need somebody to help you track your data. Well, exactly. And I think that, so one of the hugest pain points for any client I've ever worked with is consolidating the data. So uh, on, G- on Google Analytics now, like, of course, there's like quite a bit you can track. And of course, like one thing that's really like, and this is so dumb, it came to me so recently, but <clears throat> when you look at like reports in HubSpot and you look at reports in Google Analytics or you mm-hmm. look at MailChimp or whatever, like there's discrepancies. Yep. Because things are measured differently on different platforms, which like, that was like this mind explosion weeks ago. I was like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Like I never really paid attention to it. It's crazy. And I do completely agree that the pain point is whether it's your email program, HubSpot, Google Analytics, SimRush for keyword data, Google Search Console. I, I mean, your sales, if you're on Shopify, like just understanding what's working and how it's performing is a challenging task. If you have more than one thing that you would like to track, like if you just want to track traffic, then cool. But if you want to see how it, how your marketing plan is working, it is hard. That's what I'm hoping to help solve for clients with this, this automatic report. And I think it's for people who have a business, can't quite afford or don't want to afford a full-time SEO because they're investing in blogging, email, ads, social. They're doing other things and they just want to figure out, they don't know what's working. They're getting traffic, they're getting sales, but they don't necessarily understand where or how they're making this progress. I'm going to, I have like my biggest dream would be to hand you my um, like what I'm doing. So for example, I run for clients. We do at least once a quarter, a full funnel audit, right? <gasps> yeah. Okay. And so what that is, is we look at the client value journey, which is like those six steps, right? The awareness phase, the engagement phase, where we're getting the leads, the nurture performance, um, the invitation. So like promotions campaigns, and then like delight. So happiness with the product and referrals, right? Yeah. So in order to like, I just did one two days ago and in order (laughs) to get all of the data, I had to, of course, go, of course, dig into for the awareness phase. I was on the the dashboard looking at the ad performance. Right. And that's like have their own dashboard because Lord knows I can't find how to, where to find it in Google analytics or where to find it. It's awful. Yeah. Give me a separate dashboard. Then the second one, I've got like the leads that come from ads, right? But I want to yep. look at overall. So then I'm also looking at HubSpot, right? So yep. then I'm the two sources of truth. Then I'm interested in seeing like, well, how are the emails performing on the funnel? Well, then I got to look at the email and then open up ConvertKit. Yeah, we have them now in HubSpot, but like Lordy, there's also this client also does some sh- stuff in MailChimp. So like, so it's like that. It is what I always believe. And that's why like Google Sheets is like what we all end up using. That's exactly right. Right. Because looking at everything next to each other, there's so much power. 
through it. Mm-hmm. And so I would love, I'll hand you like my wish list and like, yes. and I can, and that would be very cool because the, what I, and through what I, I've developed like a, like a training program for more early stage founders, which is really about teaching the framework of marketing. So how oh, to good. build out the client value journey. Yep. Um, and, and a re- the point of it is really for the, the founders, like the business owners to be the leads of the marketing department. Because as you know, you work up probably with a lot of clients mm-hmm. that, and I hear this from service, from like service providers all the time, <clears throat> there's no marketing director in a lot of smaller businesses. So you're, totally. you're talking directly to the business owner, the founders mm-hmm. that are not very well versed in SEO and, and web development and social, any of it, content marketing. Because there's so many pieces of the puzzle. They can't. So what I... Um, what I teach is like the framework and sort of those highest roll-up KPIs yep. so they can lead the team that's executing with confidence, right? But awesome. part of that is like the ongoing sort of date, like the data review and iteration because yep. that's what the whole marketing department is, is basically uh-huh. putting into place those different tactics yep. and then just like rolling, collecting the data and just like scratching your head and see like, how can we make that conversion rate better? <laughs> yeah. All right. So people aren't coming to this page. Okay. Right. Let's treat right. this. Yep. It's like, what did we do? How did it perform? What are we doing next month? Exactly. And I think yeah. what's interesting is that when it's funny, cause I do like a three-day boot camp, Right. And so mm-hmm. I got like, collect all the feedback and the surveys and a lot of people after the boot camp felt like super relieved. Huh. Because the framework gives people like guardrails. Yep. Whereas I think that people are so overwhelmed, just like throwing spaghetti at the wall on seeing what sticks with social, which I know we want to talk about, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, with just like, I'm just going to show up on Instagram every single day. Yeah, it's great. Exhausting. And that's great. It's exhausting. But that idea of like, well, what is that for? Like, what's is the- it? Yeah. Are you getting people? Right. From Instagram, or are you just spinning your wheels, paying for a designer or photos? Like, what what's the effect of that? Yeah, and I don't think people know times any of it. Like, they're like, "Oh, I need a writer. Oh, I need a social person. Oh, I need this," but they don't even know like like how to dis- how to figure out what to put more money in and what to stop doing. Yeah, it's real. It's a it's a challenge, and that's the thing that we we start with with some of these like recent clients that we've had come in, they're like, we've, we spend a, t- a fortune and we make money, but we don't know what's working. And you're like, well, this is a bigger but problem than us now. Freaking mess. It's a mess. It's like young entrepreneurs like start to get traction. They make sales and then suddenly they just like jump up to the next level and they don't know how or why. Mm-hmm. And it's unsustainable. Mm-hmm. And one of the, one of the really great practices that And it just takes, it just takes that like intention and getting out of like that rat wheel, you know, of just like producing, producing, keep going, keep going to step back and to sort of say like, again, like, where are my leads coming from? Where's the money coming from? And what should I be doubling down on? And then what should I just not worry about? Right. But I will say that with a caveat, because now I want to, I want to like shift a little bit to like the SEO talk, because one thing that I know for certain is that with an SEO program, like churning those leads, they will come. And that will be like a very good source of brand new, fresh eyeballs that are mm-hmm. high in high intention, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of them. Yeah. Well, it depends on how you structure the keyword. But the question I have is that like, what, what is the time frame for that you think really to be like effective? Because I think I hear a lot of people that are like, like, I know you work with, I know one of your clients who talks about this a lot, um, who said that she's been blogging, like blogs that are really bringing traffic. She wrote like 10 years ago, Yeah, which is really interesting. So the question is like, is that the expectation that like that compound interest over like five, 10 years is when it's going to really start working or like, what are some things that can kind of jumpstart that? What is the difference between just like writing blogs and then eventually mm-hmm. those will start producing for you? What are some of the levers that like that can jumpstart that? 
That is a great question. And so it, blogging is a compound interest. And there is there are these like freaky clients that we have that articles that they wrote in 2018 are bringing more traffic than the articles that they wrote in 2022. And it doesn't make sense because the more recent articles are better and they're more informative and more helpful. But what has happened is that these old blogs gotten had gotten a lot of shares and backlinks and other people talked about them. So it wasn't necessarily that that blog was amazing. It's just that it got a lot of attention and that's just kind of where it is. Yeah. Um, but I think if we are, you know, working with somebody who has a well-designed, easy to navigate website. So if we start with a, it doesn't have to be fancy. It just has to be fast easy to navigate and have good, helpful information on it. After three months of intentional blogging, intentional content creation, and it could be blogging, podcasts, videos, but as long as there's good notes with it that has the keywords that we're going for, if you can consistently produce content six to eight times a month in three months, yeah. we have you're, you're going to get leads and you're going to grow in traffic. That is interesting because again, I know, and I'm, we're just going to go because we're having such a juicy conversation. I want to like, Perfect. Stop. I'm like, this is so much more interesting. So, and I, it's so funny because that, I don't know if you want me to like say the client because I know. Oh, I don't care. Okay. So boss project. Yeah. Okay. So those gals, yep. they, um, one of the things they say, cause their podcast is great. Is that like, she, she sometimes references these like these like warrior moments where she was writing blog like the the main the the, the photographer I don't know their name yeah um, yeah yeah she was writing blogs I think like two times a day or something for periods of time she goes through these like moments where they're just this high high volume of blogs I don't yeah. think they do it consistently all the time no it seems to really pay back well you know. It's such a hard question. Yes, in 2018, 19, it was quantity, quantity, quantity. And so they, and one of their blogs just hit gold. It was about how to make Canva Im images not blurry. Like it was a very, people were really interested in it. It was a short blog. It was like, hey, my Canva images are blurry. Here's how to fix it. And yeah. it's like gold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I think it's worth noting, though, kind of a side note on this is the traffic that that brings to them yeah. doesn't necessarily translate to clients. Those yeah. are people who are just looking for some DIY. They're, you know, trying to make their images clean and they need a solution. And so one problem with tons and tons and tons of quantity of, of content is you're serving an audience that may not come and be your client. It all kind of depends on your business strategy. This is so, okay. So during my, one of the, this full funnel audit I did a couple of days ago, I was talking with the copywriter and I'm not sure, this was just like instinctual. And I feel like this is a right advice, but I'm definitely a very good generalist and not like a very good. Yeah. So, she, you know, we have, you know, she's producing these great blogs for, and the client is like a leadership management, like manager training, right? Perfect. So, so a lot of the content was um, like, oh, how to have tough conversations, right? Mm -hmm. Or how to do a per performance review, right? Perfect. And like, I would say over 50% of the website traffic's coming from these blogs. So mm -hmm. obviously next year we want to amplify a CL. So FYI, I'll give you a call about that. <laughs> but but I was talking to her and I was like, well, it's interesting because can we find terms like keywords that we are writing about that are higher intent, right? Yes. Someone that's searching for like how to fire someone is going to be a different client than someone saying, what are the best leadership management training programs in the, in the country? Exactly. And looking to buy something, obviously, right? Yeah. 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 It's so true and i and that is, and it's like seo is a layer like what we do is a layer of marketing and so it's yeah. like part of seo is the technical jargon that's not that big of a deal but so much of it is like understanding who that audience is and yeah. then finding keywords that people are searching for the questions that people are converting on and then producing content that's really valuable 
about those things so that it's not a, in most cases, our clients just don't, don't want just numbers that we're not a numbers game. It's like, we want more numbers of people that will convert. So, I mean, there are people out there who just get paid via ads and it is a numbers game. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. And so that's a quantity thing, because if you just keep throwing stuff up at the wall, people will find it. But when you want to be a little bit more strategic and get people to actually convert and read your content, know and like you and trust you and then buy from you, it, it, it SEO or what we do really hits on all these different layers of marketing because we want people to actually pay you money. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because I, I saw this graphic on like LinkedIn or something the other day that was like a like a pie. And it was like, SEO is not one person. Like SEO is such a group effort. Yep. Like there's the on-page stuff, the off-page stuff. So I want to get like into the weeds a little bit, but let's sure. back up because I want to start with like the first question I had, which was like, sharing a little bit, like how the and Sam heck did you get into SEO <laughs> as like your sweet thing? Because that's not where you started. Not at all. I started out as a designer um, and I wanted to be a fine artist and got into graphic design. And then I was lucky enough to graduate right when like I graduated college in 2000. So I am aging myself at this point, but it's fine. Um, But when I graduated, it was like people, it was people were just, they were sold that they needed a website and they just needed somebody to do it. So I was I got, I got great jobs right out of college to be a web designer, like take my graphic design skills. We were, we were all still designing like an illustrator and making them on the web. Yeah. And so I had worked, I live outside of DC and I worked at agencies, downtown marketing agencies and was a web designer. I was one of a huge team that we would all produce websites. I just made the graphics. That's so funny. It reminds me of like the olden days because when I was like, <laughs> the olden days. it was funny because that's how we would build websites. Like it would, it's so funny. Uh-huh. Like now there's like Dreamweaver, whatever, so many different things. But at the time it was so static, right? Uh-huh. Like you had, and it was such a like labor intensive, pro- it was so cl- clunky to ch- make changes and things like that. We made JPEGs for the like the navigation items. And then we did like a swap over for the rollover effect. I mean, yeah, I was the JPEG maker. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember. (laughs) Okay. So then, which is funny because at that time, because I, when I was doing, like when I was really in, in house, like as a marketing director, I remember there was a period of time where like SEO was like all the rage. Mm -hmm. Was that sort of where the next part of your story comes? Kind of. I mean, ish. So I was a designer. I loved my job. And then another story for another day, we adopted and I got pregnant. So I, we had been waiting in line for adoption for years. And then yeah. suddenly we had three boys. And so <laughs> at one time, <laughs> pretty much in 18 months, we went from zero kids to three boys, all different ages, because yep. we adopted a two-year-old, a four-year-old, and then I was pregnant. And then I had baby. So we had like these three toddlers all at once. So I quit my job because I was like, oh my God, what has happened? And so I quit and came home and then it took a while. But once I kind of got my feet on the ground, I really, really missed being creative. And so I was like, you know, post, post, um, I was about to say postmortem, but not dead. I was not dead. It was postpartum. postpartum. Yeah, yeah. I mean, take and it what you want. I don't know if that was a Freudian slip or not. Yeah. But I was like, I was like needing to, like, Mike, I had, there was so much to do at home, but I was just dying inside about missing creativity. So I started designing websites for friends, other women who had had a career and transitioned home and we're starting a a side hustle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was, so I was like, oh, great. You don't even have to pay me. I'll just do your website. It'll be wonderful. I'll make you JPEGs. Yeah, whatever. (laughs) All the JPEGs. Whatever you need. Um, But what happened was we produced these websites and they got no traffic. And so they did pay me and it was like all that they could eke out as they're trying to start this business. And it was like the fourth one. I was like, I am a failure. I didn't realize my 
that I was on, I was one part of this huge team. And I was so naive to think that if it's just beautiful and you have a good service that you're going to get traffic. And so my fourth one, my, was my fourth website. I really wanted this business to work. I was a good friend of mine and she really needed it to succeed. And so I dove into understanding analytics and SEO and SEO at the time, um, she was a mom blogger and was huge, like all the the link list and everything. So that's when I really kind of dove into like, how do you get traffic? And um, it was an experiment with her and it, I never left it because like when I was trying to figure it out, there was not a lot of help. And the people, the people that were kind of teaching SEO, I, you know, they were rough. They were hard. It was big agencies. It was felt very technical. And I was like, this is dumb. This should be easier. This doesn't have to be so hard. And so I dove in and we're still figuring it out. Yeah. Eight years later. It's interesting because I think like the one of the ways that I found you was that before I met you, I was like getting, I was just like, what is all this? I need to learn a little bit more about what is SEO? What are the pieces of it? Mm -hmm. And so I found this like fella who just specialized in like local SEO for like dentists and things like that. Yeah. Had like a little program and had like office hours and stuff, but Still, it was like a headache. I mean, it's one of those things where if you're not focusing on SEO, like you're not wanting to be an SEO like mm-hmm. executor, just like learning about it on the side as like a founder, it's like a lot. It is. So when I met you and like, what's so great about how you work with clients is that you just break it down so easily when you're explaining. Uh-huh. Cause I think one of my biggest like pains when I was, when I was like in-house with, a, when I was like a marketing director for, for uh, not corporate, but like for, for, for a hotel is that like, I remember hiring my first SEO person and just not understanding like at all what they were doing or the ROI. Right. So when I had to explain to my stakeholders, like, why, like, why are we spending money on this? Like I had nothing to say or show like, cause she didn't do a very good job at, at communicating that. And there was not a lot of like, you know, like the targets in place. It was all just very like, I mean, that was, this was like a while ago, like in two, like, you know, 2008 or nine. Right. Yeah. So I don't, there definitely wasn't a lot of tools to support like showing the ROI, but it is really important that like service providers that are executing the parts of marketing are very transparent and clear, That's right. you know? Right. And to say, this is what we did and it didn't work or this is what we did. And it was great. Like SEO, like marketing, I, sometimes it's like a giant science experiment. Like, I think this is going to work. All of the evidence says that it should do this, but you don't really know until you do it. And you, if you don't, yeah, if you, I feel like that's one of the biggest pain points from SEOs and marketers in general is like, Hey, just trust me, pay me a big sum of money and trust me. Right. And that's it. And it stinks because people get taken advantage of. Yeah. So one of the questions I wanted to ask was because a lot of like the, the audience that I'm speaking to here on a podcast, they're, they're definitely earlier stage. Mm-hmm. So what do you think is like one of the things that people primarily get wrong about SEO mm-hmm. when they're starting? Great question. Um, and I like to break it down into like three little buckets yeah. is we want you to be known for three and like three buckets, your name, like your brand name, maybe the owner's name. Like if you have a different, like I'm Meg Clark, but my business is clapping dog media. I want you to type in any of those things and end up on my website. Yeah. I also want you to be known for your expertise. Yeah. And this is kind of where we fall apart. Like I want to be, if people don't even know that you exist and most people don't, mm-hmm. I want you to be found for your, what you do and the value that you provide clients. Mm-hmm. And then the third element is location. Sometimes it's really important if you're a dentist, sometimes it's not that important because you can be virtual or online, mm-hmm. but making sure that you, and you can Google yourself on this is that you are found for your name, yeah. what you do. And where you are is a really good start. And so that's just kind of foundational content, making sure all of that's really clear because most of the time we log in and we start pulling data and people have, are only known for their name 
and they're not known their name. They're known for their names Links and maybe their clients. Yeah, yeah. And so kind of explaining who you are, what you do and where you are is always the place where we get started. Mm. And so what are some of the, like, so if, if someone's like Googles their name and they're like, oh man, like that nothing's right here. Mm-hmm. What are like, what are some of the levers that people can pull individually to sort of set themselves up for success or say someone's like, Oh, I'm, I'm going to do a website now and they're going to build it on Wix themselves or whatever. Like, what are some of the things that, that they can set up correctly that may help that help produce those results? That's a great question. Yeah. Well, some of the things that Google pays a lot of attention to is something called the SEO title, which on any given page, whether it's a page or a blog, or it doesn't really matter. Any page on your website has the title that people read. And then like that's on the front end and then a title on the back end. Mm -hmm. And these are the titles. Both of these titles are one of the very first things that Google crawls to understand what this page is all about. And so one of the things that we highly recommend is that you have super like the front end, let's just say it's like a a blog page that the blog title is really clear, like the top five things to do for marketing or something. Mm -hmm. And then on the back end, the SEO title that is often written like within the admin of Wix or, Mm -hmm. or Squarespace or a plugin on WordPress, like Yoast or rank math, you can write a a different title that is like top five marketing tools for 2023. And then maybe marketing tips or increase your traffic. And then we add your brand, your name, Clapping Dog Media. And so that we have two different titles. Now the title on the SEO title It's not really readable. It's not, it doesn't flow, but it's exactly what Google needs to understand what the page is about. And so that's really a solid foundational step is make sure that the SEO title of all of the pages on your site are more than just the title of the page. And you know what I think like, and I've definitely been victim of this a lot where you just like, you're just doing it. You just put whatever there. Right. Like you fill it in if you even fill it in, because sometimes fill out like the meta descriptions and all of those stuff, like people just maybe you don't even do that. But I think it's something that I think what I'm hearing you say is like it's really pays you back to be intentional Mm -hmm. about those titles where most people when you're just like in that progress over perfection mindset where you're like, "Ah, I'll just get anything up. But that could be the difference between that actually working for you or not. And so I, I imagine that there's no problem with just like going in and updating those right. things retroactively. Absolutely. We do it all the time because we want to see what's what's clicking, what's working with Google. Like you have to keep in mind that at any given point, there's trillions of people Googling something. Yeah. And Google's job is to like read all these questions, translate it because it's in hundreds of languages and then match the best web page for it. So at any given time, Google's reading all the queries and then reading the internet. And so the easier that you can make it for Google to say, okay, hey, this page is about marketing tips. Awesome. Then Google's going to know where to kind of put you in their catalog of memory. And then maybe like if you can do it in the title or the SEO title, it's easier for Google to be like, okay, SEO title, this is where this goes. This is going to go in my marketing tips. Mm -hmm. And so it just helps Google. It helps you be found, right? It's like wearing a yellow rain slicker at Disney. It's like, (laughs) here I am. I'm here. Wait. Okay. So I want to first talk about the different pieces of the pie that filters SEO. And then I want to focus on what does it mean SEO for social media? (gasps) Yeah. And how does that work with everything? So, so let's like bring it out. Why? Because I, there's terms that like, you know, on page, off page, then there's like considering this SEO, then there's the black, sorry, the SEO for social, then there's the blog SEO. So what are some, what does that like the on page and off page really mean? For example. Perfect. Well, we'll start with off page. It's also sometimes known as technical SEO. And it's the stuff on the back end that people don't see. 
Now, I think this, this is debated among SEOs around the world, and there won't be an answer, but I think a technical off-page SEO is about 10% of your total traffic. This is things like making sure that you have a good site map, that the site is crawlable, that you have um, like a redirect set up for broken pages, like just to make the site easy to crawl for Google and easy to understand where you are. It used to be backlinks, which is having other web pages link to your content, was part of this off-page work. But Google, within the last year, has really come down on backlinks and said it used to be really important. Now they're not that important. And if you have a bunch of kind of spammy links, then it's going to be a negative for you. That so was one we, of the things people were trying. I know that was like one of the tactics that these like mm -hmm. black hat marketers would do is like pay for these bunch of backlinks. And yeah. I think at the beginning it rewarded them, but like then Google got hot to it. And then, so they don't really, but I mean, what about backlinks like from Vogue magazine? Or Perfect. Still, right. Those are still really high quality and they're hard to get. And you can't pay like, some Joe Schmo who's like, I'm pay me $300 and I'll get you a thousand backlinks. Yeah. They can't get you mentioned in Vogue or New York yeah. times, or like those are earned traffic yeah. Yeah. from doing really good content. Like, yeah. Yeah. I think it is important to say that there are, there is like SEO people who just want to find loopholes mm -hmm. who it's like, Oh, there was an algorithm update. Here's a loophole that I found that may win you traffic for the next few months until Google figures it out. And those are, there are SEOs who do that. You probably get emails every day from them trying yeah. to win your business. But the SEO that we like to do, and we'll move more to on-page, is growing authentically. Like, I, we don't care about traffic for traffic's sake. We want people to come to your site who are looking for your services that will actually pay you and become a client. So if you need... Maybe you only need 500 people on your, on, on your site a month to convert. It just kind of depends on your business. Right, 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 right. So the on-page is all of the authentic content that builds authentic connections that on your website. So good content that provides value, like help people out so that when people are looking, they end up finding you. And the goal is that they get to your site and they binge read it, that they spend time on it, that they click on multiple pages and they are really engaged because those are signals to Google that your site is good and that people like it. Yeah. And that honestly is on page. It's having good headlines, having good a linking structure so that people can go from one topic to the next very easily. And so it encompasses design and development and copywriting and graphic design for good imagery, but it's just that I that's that that idea that you get when you get to the site that you just hang out on it and read more about it, and that is on page SEO. Well, I also this is something I know from working with you because we we chatted about this, but it's something that I see time and time again, which is paying attention to the design of what your blog, like the structure of your blog, mm -hmm. for stickiness. Yeah. So a lot of times. You know, and I've seen this in clients that I'm working with, and this is like something I'm I'm actively trying to like steer the ship on, which is, you know, you get a lot of traffic in from blogs, but a lot of times, okay, sometimes those people are just not searching for what you provide. And so whatever they're right. going to bounce. But what is interesting is like, a, a, you know, the people that do stay on blogs, you look at like time on page and for some analytics I've seen, it could be like five, six, seven, 10 minutes. People yeah. really. But I really believe there's a little bit of a gap there of the people that like would be interested and they would stay longer if it was structured nicely. Like some things I've seen, like there's buttons and and uh, like in between the paragraphs or like there's a table of contents or yeah. like, I don't know. Is there is there some like set of things that you would suggest to make sure in the formatting of the blog that can make it more sticky? That is a great question. And yeah, making it, I, we just want to make it easy for users. So I do like those inner article buttons. I love a table of contents, yeah. especially for these long pillar posts that talk about like, you know, if you yeah. had, um, 
If yeah. you, yeah, if you had an article about the framework of marketing yeah. and you could talk about marketing, but then have these jump links, these t- table yeah. of contents, that's helpful. And yeah. even the sidebar, like having articles that are related or, you know, things that like, if you're interested in this, then you probably are interested in this too. Any, that all of those things that make it sticky. There was a season a couple of years ago where everybody wanted just clean and minimal design. Yeah. And so the blog was mainly white. It was lovely to read, but people left because they, I mean, their attention span is 10 seconds. 10 seconds is what we're aiming for. So if you don't make it really easy, people are going to leave. Yeah. Okay. Now let's talk about this idea, this mystery, I feel like of hashtags or SEO for social and I feel like it's important and I feel like it relates to website traffic, but I'm not quite sure like really how it all plays together or if it's a great question. Cause a lot of times people are like, I'm either going to work on SEO or I'm going to work on social. And you're like, you have a wrong attitude about that. It, it, they're indirectly related. The more traffic you get, the more people can engage and click around on your website. So whether that traffic comes from Google or social, the goal is to get more traffic so we can kind of analyze and see what people do on their web, on the website. Google's doing the same thing. If people spend time on it, they're going to send you more traffic. Easy as that. So getting traffic from social is amazing because we just want traffic to see what they do. Now, a lot of people are like, but there's 800 bazillion people on TikTok, or there's 12 million people on Instagram. I only need to go there. And it's like, there are, there are lots of people, uh, not, there are a lot of people on all these programs, but everybody Googles. And there's literally, there's like 8 million, billion Google searches a day. Like people are still on Google. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so they'll always come to Google. The moment. And what, what stinks about these social programs, as we've seen it again and again, is like you build this following, you have all these people who love you on Instagram or whatever, and then it changes the algorithm and now it just doesn't work anymore. So Google changes their algorithm too, but it's always to put the best answers on page one. Mm-hmm. I think some of these applications, uh, all these social media change their algorithm to make more money from ads. And so it's different. They have different goals and the content creator typically loses. Yeah. Over time. Yes. 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 So I'm not saying you don't need social. It social is great because it does drive traffic to your website or at least it should. Mm -hmm. Yes. But this is something that I'm, I really love dispelling from people. This is like the aha moment that I give people a lot. If you're looking at the whole client value journey, right? And we're looking at awareness phase, which is how we reach new eyeballs, mm-hmm. of which SEO is a tactic, right? Yeah. SEO will a, a, a totally connect you with new people. Yeah. But where does social fit in? Social fits in as a nurture strategy. Nurture, you're not going to really reach new people unless you're paying for it. Because you barely reach the followers that you have. Maybe 2% of them actually see your stuff. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. So you're definitely, and in my experience in almost now, again, I'm not in, I don't service a ton of direct to consumer client. Like I love B2B. Right. But in a lot of like volume of traffic wise, SEO, organic search beats social Every time times a thousand, every single time, I feel like it really trickles in. Now, maybe there's some people that like sell, like they have an Instagram shop and they sell so much on Instagram. That's great. That's great. But SEO beats out every time for the volume of traffic. Absolutely. And when you think about it, I mean, I, we typically want traffic from SEO. If you think of the pie, like we want Google traffic to be anywhere between 40 and 35 and 55%, 55%, then direct people who type you in directly. And the rest is email, social referrals, things like that. Because the yeah. majority we want from Google. And this is the reason people who are looking for you are more inclined to buy. So they're typing That's something awesome. in to find you versus the scroll. And like you may dance, sing, be pretty enough, have the right color eyes to stop the scroll. But 
those people may not even want to buy anything from you. Right. They may not be looking for you. And that's right. the difference. There's no fit. That's so true. You know, there's no top layer filter. And yes, mm-hmm. I guess like people do. I know I do, do know people do kind of search on Instagram, like use the search function on Instagram. That's fine. But again, I also want to make a note of how difficult it is to get people off these platforms. They're yes. And that's the goal. People to stay. So getting people like just the simple act of jumping off of the platform to go to a website yep. is already kind of like a big ass, you it know, mm-hmm. and people don't want to do it because they're going to these socials to be distracted. They're waiting in line. They're, they're just getting in distracted. Yeah. yeah. They're sitting in traffic. They're, yep. they're not specifically sitting down going, I need yeah. a, a dentist near me, a restaurant near me. I need somebody to help me with my marketing. They're always going to go to Google for that. Yeah. Yeah. And even if they find you on social, they will still Google you to make sure that you're legit. I do want to talk about Pinterest. Oh, I love Pinterest. So I know, like, I think that, I think it's very like well-known that like Pinterest is just like a search engine, Mm -hmm. but I, my gut is that like, I think like people get a lot, a lot of traffic from Pinterest, Mm -hmm. but I still have a doubt that people on Pinterest are actually buying as opposed to just like tire kicking or looking around. Cause you don't go, I don't, the problem with Pinterest is like, if I want to go look for jeans, this is something I'm literally really been looking for now. Yeah. Can you find like a post of someone who has jeans, but the post could be like three years ago and the jeans she has is like not available anymore. That's right. Not very useful as a sales tool. Right. It's great for recipes. Exactly. Exactly. Or like, you know, it's great for added value content, but I still don't think that it's going to be as powerful as Google. Cause you want to find jeans that are a certain style. You're going to Google. Right. And that's, and that's one of the differences between Pinterest and like Instagram or TikTok, like Instagram and TikTok, you have 24 hours, 12 hours to make that, to, to make a splash. Pinterest lasts forever, but yeah, so does but Google. Yeah. And so like, there's this like timing thing and they're all kind of aimed for different for different users, right? And so we love Pinterest for our visual artists. We have some visual artists, um, recipes, interior design, because that stuff is a little bit more timeless. And it's like the same people that are on Pinterest are also on Google. Yes, 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 yes. yes. So trying, if you can make it really easy to pin from your blog, what do you have to lose? But it is, it is a real tricky game. And the other thing about Pinterest, it's a love-hate, is when they change their algorithm, you, yeah. they don't tell you in advance or tell you that it happened. You have to figure it out yeah. by and analyzing your traffic. Oh. All right. I have two more questions for you. First is, um, t- tell people like what it really means to hire someone to do SEO. And like, what, what would like a typical program look like? So, cause I think people are kind of like, again, there's SEO can be like everything and nothing. Mm-hmm. And sort of like this, just this fear of like, just not even knowing what the scope of work might look like. So what would, what just pull back the curtain a little bit? Sure. They, a great question. Well, SEO is a marathon. And I think if anybody comes in and says that they can SEO your site and one time only That is not a good answer. That is not true. So as we had mentioned a little bit in the, in the beginning is the, there's a, there's a couple of elements. So I'll get, I'm going to answer your question. There's the tech, the tech audit. And that's something that we do initially is just make sure that the site is easily crawlable and found by Google all stuff on the back end. But then the work is ongoing. It is monthly. It is optimizing, going through all of the old content and aligning it with our keyword goals and our traffic goals, and then regularly producing, working together to produce new content that's going to meet these targeted keyword and traffic goals. And so it really does leak into all these other layers of marketing, but SEO is finding the high volume, high value search words, helping you write content about it because the client is the expert on it, making sure it's ready for Google and easily read, and then measuring the effect. So it's like produce, measure, what are we going to do next month? And so users should understand that it's at least a six month period 
and you start to see results in three months, but you can make action on those results that you see after six months. Um, so you start to get traffic after three months and then you kind of figure out what the traffic is doing and you can get pretty honed in by month six, but it is an ongoing month over a month layer of your marketing. And then is this something where you're kind of fixing up like all like cleaning up the garage in the back end, and then you're sort of getting that SEO, uh, the keyword strategy together. So you're aligning with the business owner on like, these are the, what we want to rank for. Mm -hmm. Then you're, um, this is, is the regular content, which is usually the blog. You are kind of hand in hand looking at how to opt up, like what to actually write about. That's going to make the biggest impact, how to optimize like the format of the blog. And you're doing that for at least six months. And then mm -hmm. is the idea that you can kind of pass the baton to the business owner and they kind of will have a really good idea of the process and you will know of what mm -hmm. worked and they kind of go on their merry way. And then obviously they could keep you for a retainer for infinity. That's exactly, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. And what we typically do is we initially start, we collaborate, we come up with, you know, three to five really big target keywords that we want to go after. And by six months, we've made a lot of traction for them. So then we just kind of do it again. We get an, another list of keywords together that we want to start ranking for. Um, but you are right. After six months or so, you, the client should be comfortable creating content and getting used to the rhythm. Now, if they can log into all of their software and, and help and like monitor it, great. That's part of the, that's part of the things that we do is create, you know, easy to read dashboards that keeps like track of, of, of the progress or of the, the data over time. Yeah. Your kid, when you're in with client, it's very clear what you're working on. I love like the way that you communicate. My other question is, is that like, so I, I know that like you have copywriters that you work with, but would you also work with copywriters if a, someone had someone that was writing the blog or maybe the founder themselves are writing the blog? Yes. Absolutely. And we get all kinds, you know, sometimes they're like, we are literally just the experts. So we're going to write it. So we work with all kinds and we, you know, our goal is to be highly collaborative, highly partnerish, like the more collaborative we can be, the better the results. So we work really closely with the keywords and the plan and that, you know, mapping out the key, the content plan, because you, you guys, the, the client or the, or the copywriter creates it and we zhuzh it up to make it ready for Google that it really is highly collaborative if it's going to work. Okay. And then my other question is, is like, say someone's creating a website. Okay. Mm -hmm. What, at what stage is it best for you to come in? Like before, like, like, cause site map is like really early in a, mm -hmm. in a, yeah. Well, great question. Uh, mostly right in line with the content. Like when you're trying to figure out what goes on the sales page, what goes on the homepage and the about page, that's when we like to come in and really give some deep data advisement on the words that need to be there. Yeah. And we, so we do all the keyword research, then give that to the developer, designer, copywriter. And then we start helping the client lay, lay out a foundation of when this site goes live, we need to have these six pieces of content go live with it. And so we can help put content on the, the, the right words on the pages, but then that's when we start the content plan with the client so that it goes live with once, we, if we get people there, we want them to stick around. We need to give them content to help them understand the value. And the caveat should be, I think a lot of people believe that web developers are SEO experts and they're not, <laughs> they are not as SEOs are not web developers. Exactly. <laughs> Like, this is so great. I want you to share all your places where people can find you, follow you on Instagram. Um, if you have any resources you want to share too, that this is a good time to do it. Excellent. Thank you. Well, I'm, my website is clappingdogmedia.com. On Instagram, it's at clappingdogmedia. And on Insta, I post a lot of recipes, lots of pictures of my dogs, some <laughs> pictures of my kids, and maybe an SEO tip. Yeah. Um, so follow me there for fun. And then on LinkedIn, we're really buckling down on LinkedIn. And so we are at LinkedIn at Clapping Dog Media. Oh, cool. Okay. Follow Meg everywhere. <laughs> yes, um, be my friend. This is so great. Okay. And let's definitely continue the conversation about your new product you're developing, all that stuff. That's really exciting. Cool. Um, Thanks. 
You did it. You made it to the end of the episode. Thanks for sticking around with me and listening all the way to the end. I really appreciate you as an audience member, and I hope that you found this helpful. If you did like this episode, it would mean so, so much to me if you subscribed, if you rate and review this podcast. It helps other people know that this podcast has something worth saying. It also would be super awesome if you could take a screenshot and share on Instagram and tag me at Ugly Ventures, U-G-L-I Ventures, V-E-N-T-U-R-E-S. I am always so appreciative to hear from you, and I hope to see you back here next week on the Marketing for Startups podcast.